from Brown Cow Studios in Montana, this is News Nerds. On this week's episode, B.J. Lederman on his career composing the theme music for many famous national public radio shows. He's the composer of the Car Talk Stump the Chumps theme, the Science Friday theme, the Marketplace theme, and many more. He talks to me about his work for NPR, his inspiration to become a musician, and of course, he plays us out with a special tune. Also on this week's episode, President Biden is voicing his approval for the removal of COVID-19 vaccine patents. This would mean countries could manufacture their own vaccines, but vaccine fraud would increase. Also, I reviewed the book, Everybody Has a Podcast, Except You. This is all coming up on this week's episode of News Nerds. I'm your host, Ezra Graham. I'm reviewing the book, Everybody Has a Podcast Except You, by Justin McElroy, Travis McElroy, and Griffin McElroy. Everybody Has a Podcast Except You is a great how-to guide to start a podcast. And even though I read this after I started my podcast, actually, about a year after I started my podcast, News Nerds, which you are listening to now, I thought this was very helpful and entertaining. And I was kind of sad when it ended because they had lots of good advice and they put it across in a very funny way that you will like, I liked, so I would very much recommend that to you. They are the number one New York Times bestselling authors. They are also brothers and they have their own podcasts, many of them, including My Brother, My Brother and Me and The Adventure Zone, which is another podcast that they have. Um, they go through the many aspects of podcasting in the book, from editing to sponsorships to merchandising to starting up the podcast from scratch. Many things that you will need to know when you start a podcast. I would recommend that to you. Everybody has a podcast except you. Let's go to my interview with B.J. Lederman. He is the composer of many famous National Public Radio themes. In this interview, we talk about his one and only album, his inspiration as a child, how he got his work onto NPR, and more. The interview begins with a conversation we had before the interview, and after that, we get into the interview. Introduce, yeah. I I heard that and I was just like, oh, this is great. This is great. Just before, the day before the interview, uh, Yo Yo Ma, yeah, that's great. No, I, did, had- I did not. I didn't. He- I didn't hear it live, but because I, I usually, you know, I <laughs> don't tell anybody, but I wake up too late to hear most of my morning shows. I got some messages and then I looked on Twitter and there was all this stuff about where to go, be Yo Yo Ma likes your music. By the way, uh, this um, is, it looks like beer, but it's, it's root beer. Can you see what I'm drinking? Yeah, yeah. All right, just, just so you know. 
BJ Lederman is the writer of many famous NPR themes, including the Morning Edition themes or the former Morning Edition theme, the Marketplace theme, the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me theme, and many more. And he joins us now. Welcome. Welcome. Good to be here, Ezra. So you were in college at American University after you dropped out of Virginia Tech, and you were studying broadcast journalism, and then you ended up writing these notable NPR themes. How did that come about for you? I was a very lucky person. I was in the right place at the right time. Uh, I had a good friend, a couple of friends, uh, Skip Peasy, Jerry Peasy. Skip Peasy worked at NPR. Uh, he was in the engineering department. I had been writing jingles for, well, uh, all kinds of things, uh, airlines, <laughs> dairy products, cars. Oh, this is so embarrassing. Anyway, I gave my cassette, demo cassette of these jingles to Skip. And this was the time they were, let's see, this was back in uh, 1977. Show went on in 79. And um, they were, kicking around the idea for a new morning news show. They needed a theme, and Skip gave this cassette to the original producer, Jim Russell. And the next day, Skip found a message in his mailbox saying, get me B.J. Lederman, underlined exclamation point. So I had a meeting, and uh, they gave me some demo funding, and I went to my friend, guitar player friend, Taco's house. <laughs> he had a four track, four tracks. That's all I had to work with. Four track reel to reel tape recorder. I wrote this thing on my mother's piano and brought it over there and it just hit the bullseye. And that was the first step. But Jim left NPR to go on to other things uh, to, before the show aired. And Jay Kernis became the new producer, but before Jim left, he gave the cassette of my demo for the theme, which, by the way, I am currently holding in my hand. <laughs> this this should make a good. What do they call those things now? Non fungible NF non fun non fungible tokens and NFT. I should put this on. Anyway, I digress. If not for that one move, handing over my demo cassette to the new producer, you and I would not be talking now. <laughs> so I got on the air and everybody seemed to like it and it went through a number of uh, arrangements. And I do want to bring in another name at this point, and that name is Jim Pugh. Uh, the second time we went back into the studio to, they call it, you know, freshen up the sound. Uh, they introduced me to Jim, who was a A-list session player in uh, New York. And Jim took my, you know, four-track demo stuff and eight-track demo stuff and turned it into this brilliant orchestral, you know, jazzy orchestral style. And uh, they don't credit him often enough, but I can t tell you right now that without meeting Jim Pugh, we also would not be talking right now. 
so the mood for these NPR themes that you've written is really engaging and it makes uh, uh, Scott Simon want to dance, me want to dance. How did you, <laughs> how did you pick out the mood for those? Uh, if you could only read my mind. The, the producers of, of each show would sit down with me and give me basically a laundry list of what type of moods uh, they needed. And th this is probably where it was one, one of my strongest suits, even in the advertising industry before all this NPR stuff and afterwards, because I kept doing jingles when I moved to New York. And it was a lot of people who are in business and don't know the language of music. And by the way, back then, I didn't know how to read music. I did everything by ear. I still do everything by ear. Um, but the people were, you know, the agencies at, at NPR, they were, I guess, put more at ease by the fact that they knew that they could just tell me what kind of mood they wanted to, to get and what, what type of audience they wanted to to you know be interested in this music i would even ask questions like okay you know on the radio what songs what songs do you do you hear this thing being close to what songs do you ha hate and don't want it to sound like you know because if they couldn't express more to me i would sort of narrow it down the very first morning edition piece the instruction was and i don't know if you knew this but back then most of the npr member stations I think the show started at five in the morning, six in the morning. I don't know. But they, before that, what you would hear would be classical music. So that was the majority of stations were coming out of a, a classical music program right into morning edition. And so Jim and Jay, they told me this has to somehow take a, um, Basically, I faked a piece of classical music. <laughs> yeah, sorry. A, a little intro, you know, with flute and clavinet. And, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And just for like 10 seconds, so it would seem like classical. And then there was this whoosh sound, which the Beatles taught me how to do. We actually turned the, the tape upside down in the machine recorded backwards a cymbal crash and a piano chord and let it decay so that when you turn the tape back around and played it frontwards it would go and you'd be right into the modern part of the music with the back then it was a french horn that was doing anyway too much information <laughs> So you, uh, when, when you're growing up, how did music come up in your life? One, two, three, five. Well, she was just 17. You know what I mean. And the way she looked was way beyond compare. It was the bloody Beatles. <laughs> I I was sitting in front of the TV watching that Sullivan show, like, you know, half of America and half of the world. And there are these mop-top Beatles with this music that I'd never heard before. 
Yeah, it was it was the Beatles, it, a force, musical, that if you were a musician and you were into rock of any kind, um, they just changed the world for me. And I had enough friends. I had a, my best friend David Lively was. We both played drums and piano, and uh, we formed a little band called the Lively Sound Dimension. Uh, LSD for short. <laughs> he wrote that. He wrote LSD on the big drum head. He had a kick drum <laughs> in in psychedelic paint. Little did we know. Um, and so we started in like the fifth and sixth grade with this little band. And the the funny thing is, you know, learning playing Beatles songs and songs by the Monkees, the Rolling Stones, and we needed a, a PA system. Nobody had money for anything, so. We borrowed Sammy Schwartz's father's 16 millimeter movie projector. We had a concert to do at the school in sixth grade. Oh my God. And so the projector came with a microphone. You plugged the microphone into the projector. You know, like you were, well, back then we watched movies with movie projectors and they brought the speaker up to the front of the room under the screen, you know, so we set the speaker up, but you had to have the movie projector on playing with the light shining. So we had the projector in the corner, shining the light in the corner and whoever was singing would take the mic. <laughs> oh, what I had to go through to get to this point where I am on your show. You wouldn't believe it. So it seems like you get immersed in the music you create. And I've seen you playing uh, on the internet some of the the most famous themes that you have made, yes. Uh, um, and so is being a musician a dream job for you? I was gonna say it beats digging ditches. <laughs> I don't want to get too silly on you here. My dream job is testing out mattresses, you know, for their sleepability. Mm -hmm. If I could get paid to sleep, you, you get me, you dig? I would, that, that's my dream job, especially if it came, you know, with a 401k and benefits and life and health insurance. Just okay. Come, wake up in the morning, go right to work at, at the at the mattress factory, in a nice quiet room. Okay, BJ. Today we're testing out the uh, you know the broccoli mattress. <laughs> and okay, fine. Just put some put some meditation music on softly. Give me the pillow, the covers, and I'll see you in eight hours. That's my dream job. <laughs> you, now, to, to be honest, um, Ezra, you know, hopefully, you know, I just see you doing what you're doing, and in, in 20 years, I'm going to turn on NPR or, or something, and I'm going to hear you as a 30-something-year-old uh, reporter, and I'm going to go, I knew, I just, I just knew that he was going to end up like that, and you would say, like I'm gonna say, anything that you love, that you would do for free, like I would do music for free. 
I would play music for free. If you get paid for it, yes, that's my dream job. So there you have it. Uh, you've written other songs that are not for NPR. Tell me about those. Well, beside my album, which is my one and only album, which I couldn't think of a name, so I decided to name it BJ. Do you think it's a good name for good, my... Yeah, I like it. One, one and only album. Um, like I said, other, other jingles, um, when I got dumped, my first girlfriend in college, I wrote a real heartbreaker, crying, crying your beer song called, mm-hmm. <laughs> called College Romance is a Higher Education. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what an idiot. Um, uh, and, and these jingles, I mean, I'll send you some of them if you, maybe you can pop them in. I don't know. There's one for a dairy company called Marva Made. And I was lucky enough to be hooked up with the singing group, the Starland Vocal Band. Now, I don't expect you to know who they were, but they had a big hit in my day called Afternoon Delight. Afternoon Delight is about, you know, uh, the ability to even say have dessert in the afternoon before dinner. Okay, and you're gonna, you know, after this Google Afternoon Delight and find out what it's really about and hopefully, ha, 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 you will laugh a little. But these singers, fabulous, and they doubled, you know, they made more money by being studio singers. And I was put together with these people and um, one of our first hits was for Marva Made. And it's sort of, if you want fresh, Margaret taste, it's in. So there's where they all go, we go up at me so well, and they go, ooh, Margaret made. You're like, ooh, it's supposed to be good. Ooh, Margaret made. And then the cow comes in. Ooh, Margaret made. I rhymed with a cow. Uh, it, was, it was one of my best moments. Um, but there were, jingles for i remember doing one for an auto parts company and i did it in in bebop jazz style with a female singer female vocalist if you've got a job to do it's pro parts pro parts they thought i was out of my mind and i was but they loved it because i don't know why um, so your mother had a role in some of your songs, uh, I think it's in the BJ album. Tell me about how your mother had that role. Well, first of all, she'll see, she died in 2010 and I moved to Asheville just a couple of years later. Can't believe I've been here over a decade. I got married a few months ago. Do you know that? Congratulations. Thank you very much. It works out very well for an old altacaca like me. Um, anyway, um, my mother, I've been talking about doing this album for decades. And my friends were tired of hearing me talking about it. BJ, yeah, you're gonna put this song on your album. You're gonna put that song on your album. And when I came here, I made a commitment to getting it done. And I, ran into a uh, very well-known producer who had just arrived here from Los Angeles 
His name is Eric Serafin. He goes by the name of Mixer Man. Um, I was able to wrangle uh, an extremely hot band from uh, Watkinsville, the Athens, Georgia area, with Randall Bramlett Band uh, as my backup band. And uh, even Bella Fleck, who is the banjo empresario, uh, agreed to be on three uh, instrumental cuts on the album. So I got the thing done. And part of that is, you know, in the back of my mind, my mother would never forgive me if I got through my whole life without doing the album. But there's also a track on the album called Mom's Phone Messages. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that I'd saved up all, after she died, one of the first things I did was dumped all of her digital phone messages into my computer. And when I told Mixer Man this, and, and he heard some of this stuff, you know, like, PJ, why don't you come over here? <laughs> how, how come my VCR is always flashing 12 o'clock? I finally had to tell her mom, because Congress passed a new law, it's now 12 o'clock all the time. So your, your VCR is right. I'm not coming over there to fix your VCR clock one more time. Anyway, so we got into the studio, and the band did this little jazz riff round and round. And uh, Eric placed her messages very, in a very funny way. And it's great because she had people, you know, friends of hers still alive and they were able to listen to her. Okay. And lastly, this is a very important question. Um, why did Morning Edition stop using your theme? <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> Wait a minute. I really have to think this out. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh my God. Oh. All right. Uh, I will say. Can I call a friend? Wait a minute. Can I use that? Um, obviously, they stopped using my music because I stopped paying them. It was about time. This is the real story. Because the last arrangement that Jim Pugh did with me, it had been quite a number of years. And, you know, time's marching on. And there's a new demographic of listeners who are, you know, taking the lead. And um, I was wondering what the devil took them so long. You know, I was hoping they would uh, use me, but I did not have uh, anything to do with the new arrangement. They, I'm happy to, to hear my melody still in it. And I'm really thrilled and, you know, honored that they say our theme is uh, inspired by me. You know, my whole relationship with NPR, um, it, aside from, you know, human <laughs> relationships, is the best thing that happened to me. And I'm, you know, pretty much the luckiest composer on earth to be associated with NPR in this way. And uh, 
if I go down in history as, you know, the NPR jingle theme, theme guy, you could do a lot worse. Thank you so much, BJ, for talking to me today and being on News Nerds. Ezra, I appreciate you having me. It's my honor, believe me. And please, 20 years from now, I want to turn on NPR and hear you hosting Morning Edition or Weekend Edition or All Things Considered. All right? Promise me that. Okay, I'll try. That's BJ Lederman. He has written many NPR themes, including the former Morning Edition theme, the Marketplace theme, the Science Friday theme, and more. And we are going to now hear you play us out. Yeah, I'm going to play one of my favorite tunes, and I'm going to switch over the, I'm going to say goodbye to you here and switch over the um, input. The piano will come to you directly. It should sound good. Let me know. Stand by. On Wednesday, President Biden voiced his support of the World Trade Organization's efforts to clear patents on COVID-19 vaccines. The WTO is advocating for this because if vaccine patents are lifted, countries could manufacture their own COVID-19 vaccines. Even as COVID-19 cases in the United States go down, other countries like India are experiencing the pandemic to a larger extent. In the United States, vaccination efforts have slowed down. In some places, there are more vaccines than people who want them. Meanwhile, across the globe, India has only about 2% of its population fully vaccinated. Catherine Tai is the United States trade representative. In a statement, she said that, quote, This is a global health crisis, and the extraordinary circumstances of the COVID-19 pandemic call for extraordinary measures. The administration believes strongly in intellectual property protections, but in service of ending this pandemic supports the waiver of those protections for COVID-19 vaccines. Unquote. Stocks of major COVID-19 vaccine makers like Pfizer, Moderna, and BioNTech dropped after the president announced his position on the matter. Mustaqueem D. Gama South Africa's WTO counselor told the media that results of not waiving vaccine patents are, quote, staggering, not only on the level of the loss of human lives, but also on the economic level, unquote. There is some opposition to waiving these patents, however. The Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, a trade group involved in the drug industry, opposes removing patents.
They argue that this breaks traditional government policy about medical patents. A statement from the PHRMA reads, quote, In the midst of a deadly pandemic, the Biden administration has taken an unprecedented step that will undermine our global response to the pandemic and comprise safety. This decision will sow confusion between public and private partners, further weaken already strained supply chains, and foster the proliferation of counterfeit vaccines. Unquote. That's it for this week's episode of News Nerds. On this week's episode, I was your host. I'm Ezra Graham. You can find us on the web at newsnerdspodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes of News Nerds, Cow Pies, and other News Nerds extras. Also there, please donate to the podcast. That helps us continue to bring News Nerds episodes. You can also listen to News Nerds on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. While you're on those three services, please subscribe to the podcast there, and while you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We're also now broadcasting on KGVM Bozeman, 95.9 FM, on Thursdays at 5.30. We'll be back next Wednesday for another episode of News Nerds. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.